<clears throat> Hi. Been a minute, hasn't it? It's me, the guy who does this podcast. I'm Lux. At least that's what I keep telling people. Hope you're having a good one. Um, I'm back. I didn't die. Although I almost did. Sort of for real this time. I usually open up with that kind of joke, but actually some bad things really did happen to me, which is why I've been away for a little while. But now I'm back, and I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you about it when, uh, you know, a little after the podcast, I suppose, because nobody needs to hear the, my own personal life. Who am I? Nobody cares. If you do care, I don't know, follow me on Twix or whatever, at the MFNKC, or just follow the podcast at Royal Deluxe Pod, which um is popping off now. I guess I had a good post or two when I was on break, aka like two days ago, so that's pretty cool. Shout out to all the new friends I've made this week. We And certainly, the Royals themselves have made a lot of friends this week. By the way, you're listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast bringing you breaking news and analysis of the Kansas City Royals every Monday and Friday as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Thanks once again for listening. And uh, also, you're welcome. You're so very welcome. I don't even know, um, I don't have like a structure for this episode. I'm just going to kind of riff for like, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour because... I've it's it's been a month since I've done since I've done an episode, so a lot has happened, and I can't really even get to everything that has happened. But man, is this a relatively nice time to be a Royals fan? Because the Royals are everybody's favorite team right now. The Royal, the Kansas City Royals, they are heroes. They are American heroes. They have done a great service to the world, and everyone loves us. Well, except for the people in Houston. But I don't really have a lot of respect for the people in Houston. That's right, the entire city. They're responsible for Travis Scott, and Travis Scott is responsible for the deaths of 10 people. But that's a conversation for another day. Anyway, Royals have just absolutely taken the Astros to the pound. Or no, they haven't taken them to the pound because they don't got that dog in them. I was trying to make a joke related to that. But no, they have just absolutely beaten the piss out of this team that thought that they were going to go to the playoffs this season. And I don't know, maybe they will. They still might. Sorry for the clicking, by the way. My silent mouse broke. Whoops. That's why I've been away for a whole month because my mouse broke. But this past weekend... The Royals played a three-game series against the Astros at home in Houston, and they won all three games. And just the last weekend, the Astros were in Kansas City, and the Royals won two games in that three-game series. So the Royals, in the last 10 days, have gone 5-1 and one against a team that was in first place for their division and with such a tight wildcard race. I mean, like, 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 whoever... But some some team out there, at least one team, I think two teams actually, someone's going to miss the wild card by half a game, one game, or something like that. There is literally no margin for error right now. You've got um you've got the Orioles and the Rays fighting in the American League East. Orioles have 97 wins, Rays have 95 wins, so that race is not over yet. But one of them is going to be a wild card team. Then you got. In the American League West, the winner right now is the Rangers with 87 wins, significantly less than the American League East. The Astros have 85, and the Mariners have 84. 
So any of them can win the American League West right now, but at least one of them is going to be a wild card team. And then you've also got the Blue Jays, who have 87 wins, and they have a wild card spot right now. So, yeah, one of one of these teams, one of these four teams or so, are going to miss the are going to miss the wild card. Like if right now, it's the Rangers and the Orioles winning their divisions, and then the uh, Astros, Rays, and Blue Jays taking wild card spots, the Mariners are going to miss the playoffs by one game, half a game at this point. They're half a game behind the Astros, although they play the Astros this week. So plenty of time for them to shine, plenty of time for them to finally correct course because Mariners are my second favorite team. I really want them to win. I had them as my my big brain 200 IQ World Series winner for this year, so I would like to at least get close to that prediction happening, but... Man, have they been playing like garbage against any good team ever because last week they got swept by the Dodgers. This weekend they got swept by the Rangers. So that is so frustrating. But at least I can be proud of myself as a Royals fan by saying, look, we did everything we could for you guys, okay? We did everything. Although I guess we didn't. We, well, we, yeah, we uh got swept by the Blue Jays not too long ago. So that probably didn't help them all that much. But I mean, when we played the when we played the Mariners, we didn't we played decently against them, but it went like 2 and 4 against them or something like that or something. It was it was weird. Like we didn't win a whole lot, but games were really close. So, look, we really we really tried. We really tried to help everybody but the Astros in their wild card aspirations. So nobody can be mad at us except the Astros, but of course the Astros are going to be mad. I mean the Astros should be mad at us for 2015. Again, we have no respect for these guys. We don't need to be their friends. Nobody likes the Astros. Nobody wants the Astros to win. They are the objective villains of MLB. And so the Royals, the unlikely heroes have vanquished them at least for the moment. I mean, they ha- okay, they haven't vanquished them, but they have done some significant damage to them. They that this is not something that they can just walk off. And man, that feels really good. This has been a really really fun week or or past couple of weekends to for, for to uh be following Royals baseball because I mean, look, I I get it. I would rather have my own team be in the playoff race as well. It would be much more fun to root for that itself, but Unfortunately, we can't have that right now. So the second best thing is being this late into the season and messing up another team's chances, especially a team that you just actively dislike, a team that most people actively dislike, because now we're getting high fives from all over the freaking sport. Rangers fans, Mariners fans, Blue Jays fans. We've never liked the Blue Jays, but whatever. We're friends with the Blue Jays now. They're all just like high five and it's like, oh my God, thank you, Royals. Hell yes, Royals. Everyone is a Royals fan in the American League right now. Or really just all over baseball. Because again, everyone hates the Astros. So if the Astros miss the playoffs, guess who's taking credit for that? A a whole bunch of credit for that. That's right. Dusty Baker and Martin Maldonado. And also in maybe like a distant 12th place, the Kansas City Royals. And that's nice. It's great. This was a very fun Sunday for Kansas City in general because the Royals did something freaking awesome. And also, Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game, which is important for culture, I guess. I am, uh, I, I don't think I, it's, this might, this might surprise some longtime listeners, but I'm not a very big Taylor Swift fan, so I can't say I care all that much. But you know what? It gets the people going. Everybody's happy about it. 
or most everybody's happy about it. I don't know. I don't hate Taylor Swift enough to not be happy about it. So whatever. Enjoy. It gets people talking about this city a little more. So I appreciate that. I will take any second, any amount of time in the spotlight that I can get. And this Astros surge, this Astros beating is only part of this recent stretch of success that the Royals have had. They are closing this season strong. They have won 10 of their last 11 games. Now, since that sweep by the Blue Jays in early September, they played a three-game series against the White Sox right after that. They lost the first game, won the two games after that, then played Houston, won the first two games of that series, lost the third one. And then, last week, swept the Guardians, mathematically eliminated the Guardians from the playoffs, not that there was really any chance for them to get... I mean, there there was maybe like a small sliver of hope because the American League Central is so garbage that it's like, okay, you know, maybe we'll see an 82-win <laughs> division winner this year. That'd be kind of funny. And uh, no, they played the Royals, ran into the absolute buzzsaw that is the 2023 Royals, so they're dead now. And then we go into Houston and just... Take care of business over them. No sweat off our backs. Easy, right? Totally got this. We're just better. That's it. That's all I can say. We're we're simply better than the Houston Astros. I mean, we beat them five games to one. There, there we go. What else needs to be said? That head head record matters, right? Wins and losses matter more, right? So we're better. Um. So somehow the Royals actually have a very real chance of avoiding their worst franchise record ever. The worst franchise record is 56 and 106. They're 54 and 102. They just need to win two games of these next six, their final six games of the season in order to avoid setting a new franchise low. All things considered, that's not so bad. I mean, I don't want to necessarily celebrate that because it's not like we should be happy with a 105 loss season or something like that it's obviously not a good thing but given the fact that this team was on pace to lose like 113 for most of this season basically until this month you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a small victory something good happened this month and we avoided critical failure we avoided the absolute worst possible crisis i suppose even if it still feels like nuclear winter out here so if the royals can go three and three for the rest of the season and uh, and avoid the worst even tying the worst franchise record i feel like that will be some small accomplishment i'll take a small amount of pride in that and how just well they played at the very end of the season lots of people are wondering like what what happened to this team what's going on and you know what I think that the answer is uh just that we have nothing to lose we have nothing to lose and when you have nothing to lose you find out who you really are because you have only everything to gain from that point on we're not even hurting our own draft odds at this point because the bottom three teams across all MLB by wins and losses they all share the same odds for the number one pick. The top three teams each have a 16% chance or so of getting the number one pick. The Royals cannot catch up to the White Sox, who are the the fourth worst team. It's so they, they have secured a bottom three record 
in MLB this season, no matter what. They can win the rest of their games. They can win the next six. Doesn't matter. They're still going to be the third worst team. They'll probably pass the Rockies. They're only a couple games behind the Rockies suddenly. And we'll both have a 16.5% chance of having the number one pick for next year's draft along with Oakland. There's actually a cool website here, tankathon.com slash MLB. It's the draft lottery simulator. It's live depending on how, um, depending on, uh, records and all that. It's up to date. Uh, Rockies have lost their last seven. Wow. I didn't even know that. I mean, I, I, I did feel like it was a little bit weird. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought we were like 10 games behind the Rockies. What happened there? Apparently they, uh, went on a seven game losing streak at the same time as the Royals, Went on a six-game winning streak. So I want to see what happens if uh, there's a sim lottery button. Does this mean we're going to decide the MLB draft right now? We're just going to freeze everything? We're just going to say, okay, nothing matters anymore? We're uh, all going to... Um, we're, just, we're just going to see what the, the, the draft is going to be like next season. We're going to decide the order of it. Okay. The number one pick goes to the Colorado Rockies. The, the number two pick goes to the... Chicago White Sox. The number three pick goes to the Los Angeles Angels. That's not fair. Come on. No. That's that's but that's bullshit. Number four, St. Louis Cardinals. Number five, Oakland Athletics. Number six, Kansas City Royals. This this website's a this website's this website's good. It's a fake website. Okay, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna sim again. Okay, we got the number one pick this second time. There we go. This website's great. All right, so just simulate the lottery twice, and let's just assume that, like, um, they'll, MLB, whoever does the draft lottery sort of thing, whenever they pick the odds, they'll do it the first time, and then, like, that uh, Bill Clinton kid from the Video Game Awards, he'll show up and ruin everything. So they're like, okay, we're going to restart, and then the Royals get the first pick overall when they uh, do the re-simulation, the proper re-simulation so there we go I'm, I'm confident in that that's what has to happen and you know I made this point a while ago when we were talking about second half improvements and how meaningful or meaningless they can be and I don't think that the Royals are you know playing better I don't think the Royals are accumulating wins right here just because they're getting some lucky performances or things like that like back then when I first had this discussion I was saying look it's not like 2018 when you're just where you're just getting randomly good performances from guys like Heath Fillmire or Ryan O'Hearn, guys who aren't really all that special. They're just getting they're just kind of lucky. They're just kind of on some lucky streak right there. No, we're seeing th- th- this stretch. This September has been defined by just guys who are playing well overall. Cole Reagans is him. Like and and it's funny because Cole Reagans hasn't even been like dominant for his last few starts, there was the the game in Toronto, which scared the absolute shit out of me. He lit this man literally fell off the mound twice in like two minutes, and I'm just like, oh my god, please do not be the start of something. Please, like we need this, okay? Cole Reagans is we need this guy. We need him. If we don't have him, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I'm actually going to break down crying in hysterics because it's it's going to be it's going to be painful. Um, fortunately, that didn't turn into anything. He's been fine for his last two starts. He gave up five earned runs in his uh, last start, but that's because he was sent out for the seventh inning. Um, after pitching like like a decent six innings right before that, 
terrible decision by manager Q. Just don't understand the the thought process behind that. And then uh, his last start, he gave up two runs in six innings. Gave up four walks, so he wasn't, like, dominating. Only f- only five strikeouts. But we know what this guy is capable of doing. We know that the process of what he's doing is just a working process. He has all of the makeup of an elite MLB starter. That's something you can buy into. Nelson freaking Velasquez. Now, sure, this guy is on a tear. This guy is, <laughs> this guy is getting lucky. He has a home run rate of 10.7%. Yeah, all of his at-bats, 10% of all of his at-bats have resulted in a home run. If you're wondering if that's a lot, yes, that is a lot. Um, Last year, Aaron Judge, when he hit 62 home runs, that was an 8.9% home run rate. So, I don't know, 10% is probably going to be like, uh, I'm going to look up Mark McGuire. Uh, okay, 10.7% in, in what year was that? 1997, when he hit what? That was probably like a 58? No. Oh, that was with the Cardinals. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. All right, 1998, 10.3%. That's when he, that's when he, that's when he hit 70. That's what I'm talking about. So, um, and yeah, now Velasquez is actually outpacing that a little bit. Now, it's unlikely that he's going to hit 70 plus home runs in a full season, but you can it's like like you don't you don't fake home run power. Like there are, there are certain skills that a player can have that you just don't fake. And it's like a, I said this a month ago or so when talking about Alec Marsh and how I don't I'm not confident in Alec Marsh as a starter, but I do think that he's an MLB pitcher because he strikes guys out. You don't fake striking out hitters in baseball, in, at least not in the MLB. And so you don't fake home run power in the MLB. I have about as decent of a sense of like how hard a ball is hit um, when watching a game, whether it's on TV or at the stadium. I mean, I'm not someone who's going to be like, you know, someone hits someone hits a ball in the air and I'm like, "Oh, whoa, it's gone. 500 foot home run, hardest hit ball in the Statcast era." And then it's a pop fly to the second baseman or something like that. But, you know, whenever I you know, whenever someone hits the ball in the air, I have a pretty good idea of where it's going or what's happening. With Velasquez, though, I I have to make an exception to that. Anytime this guy hits a ball in the air, I just kind of look up and think, hmm, maybe, maybe this one right here. And even when it doesn't work, it's still, I still feel like it's close. Like I had a reason to be excited. Like I posted a few days ago on Twitter, on Twixer. Sorry, I call it Twixer now. A uh, long story about that. Um, I I was saying I was I was saying that and then Royals Review of all of all accounts retweeted that and said like he uh this this particular instance was when he he hit a pitch inside he didn't extend he didn't get his bat extended he didn't barrel it and it was almost a 400 footer that was a, it was, a, it was like a 400 foot pop out it's like this dude just makes it so like when he makes mistakes he's still getting close like that that's real that's legit, and maybe an even better development is that he's walking more. Part of the reason for that is because pitchers are obviously scared to pitch to him. They're just like, okay, uh, if he puts the bat on the ball, it's gone, so make sure he doesn't do that. So pitchers are pitching further away from him, so he's just drawing walks more naturally. That was one thing I was kind of criticizing a while ago when he was kind of starting this 
surge with the Royals when he was kind of new with the Royals. He only had like a, a 3 or 4% walk rate, and that's something that had to improve because that's not going to cut it in baseball. But now, so far, at least with the Royals, it's 8.4%. That'll play right there. And he's striking out 26.7% of the time. Is that a lot of strikeouts? Yes, but he's a power hitter, so of course he's going to strike out a lot. That's not an extreme amount of strikeouts. It's acceptable. And how about James McArthur? Man, I, I have to apologize to this guy. I was unfamiliar with his game. I didn't realize what this guy was like doing, basically. It had to be spelled out for me over the last week or so. Um, he had He's the guy that we traded from Philadelphia for just a random minor leaguer that probably isn't going to pan out. And when he played, when he first when he first got called up, he pitched one inning and gave up seven runs. It was a it was a terrible. It was the worst inning ever. It was the worst debut ever. That was his, that was his MLB debut right there. Then he got called up in August, pitched a few outings, wasn't as terrible, but obviously not very good. But then since September, he hasn't given up a run. And he got called up in the very beginning of some to September. He has not given up a single run. He's pitched 13.1 innings. He has 14 strikeouts. He's only allowed three hits and no walks. None. Zero walks. So guys are not doing anything to him. He's barely allowed a single base runner. Like like yesterday against the Astros, he allowed one base runner, and that was the like the first one. Well, actually, no, it was on a Saturday he allowed, or no Friday he allowed a base runner, and that that ended this streak that he was that he had this streak of perfection that he was writing for a few innings, um, like eight perfect innings in a row or something like that. Seven, sorry. So. Suddenly, this guy looks like he's a he's a back end of the bullpen weapon that just kind of came out of nowhere. I'm not entirely sure what exactly happened to make this guy so good, but even when factoring in that August, set, you just remove that debut inning from him, and he has a 2.33 ERA on the season, just going from August to right now. So, yeah, uh, shout out to James MacArthur. I like never talked about this guy. I just kind of thought he was a random faceless reliever that we just sort of had and was and we're probably going to discard quickly but actually he has really shown up this September and he's already accumulated a couple of saves which is awesome so yeah just really just a really really nice surprise and he and again the process of what he's doing is working this is not something that you can just I mean sure he's getting a little bit lucky maybe but the fact that he's striking guys out, he's not walking anybody. He hasn't allowed a single walk in September. That's not something you can fake. He's legit. And I also want to shout out a guy that I have criticized a lot this season on this show, MJ Melendez. Since the All-Star break, he has turned it on. He is becoming the player that we have hoped he would be. He's becoming the hitter that we hope he would be. Not necessarily mashing the ball, but he's still hitting pretty decently and getting on base and not striking out a ton. So since the All-Star break, this is a 60-game sample right here. He's hitting 271 with a 346 on base, a 477 slugging. That adds up to an 822 OPS. Nine home runs, which actually feels a little bit low for him. I feel like he could have a few more, but you know what? I'll take that. He's striking out maybe like 25% of the time, 63 strikeouts and 240 plate appearances. That's, you know, what MJ Melendez is going to do. He's also walk, He's also got 24 walks. So, however, I'm not entirely sure what the percentage for that would be. But September, it feels like he's he's kind of adding on to it. He's like, he's get, he's gotten better. 
in September. And since the beginning of this month, 18 games right here, 250 average, 403 on base, and a 464 slugging. That's an 867 OPS. Um, he has struck out as many times as he has walked, both 15, um, and that's in 72 plate appearances. So that's a much lower strikeout percentage, a much higher walk percentage. That's what I want to see from MJ Melendez. I want this guy to be walking more. I want him to be walking about as much as he strikes out if he can get to such well he, he probably can't okay he's not going to get to that point because then he has to walk like 25 percent of the time but if he can walk half as much as he strikes out and then just you know just just make better pitch selections that is what i've always been preaching with mj melendez and i feel like he's actually doing that now it feels like he's leaned into a much more relaxed approach at the plate and it's allowing him to not make such stupid swing decisions anymore. He's not chasing as much as he used to. And that's really adding to his season overall. So I'm not ready to give up on MJ Melendez. I'm I'm going to put him in the starting lineup for next season as either like a right fielder or a designated hitter. I think that he has, at the very least, earned an extended look for next season. This is kind of what we're looking for for throughout September. We're like, okay, okay, who do we who do we really trust for next season? Who do we really keep around? I'm keeping MJ Melendez. I I really do think that he show he is showing that he 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 can be legit. Is he legit? I mean, we still have to see a little bit more from him. We still have to, still have to see more over a longer period of time, but I think he is getting there finally. And I think the last guy who's kind of like on my star list for this past month is the uh, newcomer, Nick Lofton, guy that we were excited to see this season. He's finally up and he has made a big first impression already. He has been uh, just he's just been hitting. He's been hitting. He's been getting on base. I think it was his um, it's been a while. I think his MLB debut was where he drew a walk in his first at bat, which is like, actually really cool just to see a guy. And, and it wasn't even, like, an easy walk. Also, it's, wait a minute. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Nick Lofton. <laughs> September 25th. Okay, cool. Um, Like, and it wasn't even a, you know, an easy, like, okay, you know, just got away from the pitcher kind of walk. It was like a, it was, he worked a full count and then took a borderline pitch that maybe a worse umpire might not have called a ball. So it was not an unimpressive walk whatsoever 15 games he's been hitting 354 I mean yeah there's going to be some luck involved with that obviously it's a small sample size but he does hit the ball decently hard he has doubles power he has five doubles and a triple already he's just been putting the bat on the ball really well and he can pay, take pitches decently. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. His strike his, his strikeout rate is 14.8%. His walk rate is 7.4%. Again, super small sample size, but I think that's a solid foundation for him. I think that's something you can expect from Nick Lofton. That's kind of the profile he has shown as a professional baseball player throughout the minor leagues. So, yeah, the batting average is going to go down naturally, but he has shown that he can just you know, just continue doing his thing and he'll be a solid ball player. And he's been just placed around the diamond pretty nicely at first, second, and third base, filling in those positions pretty nicely. He does play outfield. He has, he's only played three games in the outfield this season, but last year he played um, 56 games 
in the outfield. Um, at, at least at least just in Double A in Omaha, he played uh, 13. So add that to it. So, so a nice 69 games in the outfield in the minors last year. So he can play it. He's he's like we've been saying. He's the next coming of Whit Merrifield. He's just going to hit the ball around and he's going to play some decent defense wherever you need him except he might be even better offensively than Whit Merrifield because he's you know just gonna he's actually gonna he actually has some true doubles power he'll be like he'll be like peak Whit Merrifield hopefully except he's younger than when when Whit Merrifield came up so we might have peak Whit Merrifield for a couple extra years this time I'm gonna go ahead and put Nick Lofton in on my roster for next year. Like I haven't finished building my roster out completely for next season yet. I'll you know project that when we get into the off season. But I think Nick Lofton has made a good enough first impression where we can say, yeah, this guy's on the on the on the major league roster going into opening day next season. I think he has earned that. I think MJ's earned it. I think Velasquez has 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 earned it. Cole Reagans should get a six-year extension right now. Like the extension that the Reds gave Hunter Green last year, give that to Cole Reagans right now. That was six years, fifty-three million with a team option. Give that to Cole Reagans literally right now. There's, I don't think there's any reason why the Royals shouldn't do that, because he's the opening day starter for next season. Just no doubt in my mind at this point. And also shout out to James MacArthur because he's been a solid uh, bullpen guy late in this season. So he's been a nice, pleasant surprise as well. So. We've got some we've got some gems on this roster. The top of this roster is looking pretty good. It's the rest of it that's questionable and and just because I haven't mentioned some guys doesn't mean I'm out on them. It's not like just because I haven't talked about Bobby Wood Jr. doesn't mean I have anything wrong with Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah, he's cooled down. He hasn't been, you know, carrying the team anymore, but hey, that's maybe a good thing that if the Royals have been winning if the Royals have gone on a 10 and for 11 stretch and Bobby Wood Jr. is not a significant contributor to that, then maybe the bottom of the roster is actually doing a lot better than we uh, expected them to. And even beyond the on-field performance, some interesting things are happening off the field as well, because earlier this week or last week maybe, the Royals had a pretty big change to the front office where they brought in Brian Bridges as the club's new director of scouting. And I think uh, his role is going to be, he's going to be uh, in, in charge of amateur scouting. I forgot the guy that he's specifically replacing, but whoever he's replacing, that guy went over to the White Sox, so the White Sox are adding in more Royals personnel for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, it does come at the cost of, like, uh, Lonnie Goldberg is still around, and it seems like Danny Ontiveros is going to be promoted to, like, the head of the scouting department or whatever you want to call it. Um, actually, you should look this up. Okay, I got it. So, Danny Ontiveros, who was a scouting director, he has been promoted to vice president of scouting, and that job was originally for uh, uh, Lonnie Goldberg. And it doesn't say exactly what has happened with Goldberg, just that he is remaining in the organization. So he's still around, and he's still going to be in the scouting department, but doesn't seem to be as in charge of things as, uh, you know, previously. So I saw lots of people freaking out, like, oh my god, why is why is Ontiveros getting promoted? Well, I actually don't know how much of the Royals' current problems can be blamed on Ontiveros. I haven't, I mean, I didn't like this draft a whole lot, but who knows? Too early to call, I suppose. Last year's draft, I actually liked quite a bit. I thought it was a kind of a banger draft, even if Gavin Cross hasn't worked out all that well so far. It at least made sense at the time. Um, So I'm, you know, a little more trusting of him than Lonnie Goldberg, who has a veritably bad track record. 
But the biggest story here, obviously, is Brian Bridges coming in. He was a longtime Braves personnel from all the way back in 2007, and then he was promoted to scouting director in 2015. And since 2015, the Braves have had, you know, some pretty good players come up, Austin Riley being a pretty big one. And um, he was, you know, let go of the Braves after 2019 or so. Then he went to the Giants, and the Giants have had a pretty solid turnaround. They went from, like, the literal worst farm system of, you know, back in the late 2010s to having one of the better ones in current day. So that's who we now have in this organization. Once again, J.J. Piccolo continues to do the things that we frankly told him to do. We, we, we keep telling him, hey, stop promoting from within. I mean, he did promote from within. He promoted on Veros, but again... Are we? How much is Ontiveros to blame for the issues that we have right now? He kind of demoted or de-emphasized Lonnie Goldberg, who we don't like, and then he brought in a guy who is successful with other successful organizations from organizations that are much better from us. Yeah, you want to take from the Braves because the Braves are one of the best organizations in baseball. You want to take from the Giants because they've been operating pretty well for the last few years. So we now have one of those guys in this organization so really excited about this hiring i think that's pretty cool and if you don't you know you don't have to take my word for it you don't have to trust me i'm listening to the people who are a lot smarter than me who are saying hey this is a really good move by the royals great job i guess i really should give jj piccolo credit where it's due because yeah we've been very critical of him and this season has been awful but again like he's he's kind of inherited this problem no no GM would be able to prevent from the Royals from losing 100 games this season because this is just the roster that he, that that's playing the games. This is the roster that was handed to them. Yes, he signed Jordan Lyles, and that's bad. Jordan Lyles is not the reason why we're this bad, though. Is he a problem? Yes, absolutely. Is he the problem? No, not at all. And, you know, the fact that J.J. Piccolo traded away Aroldis Chapman and Jose Quas and got back Cole Reagans and Nelson Velasquez? Yeah, you know what? I'm a little bit more trusting of this guy. I think the true test is really going to come in this offseason where it's really being said that the, that the Royals are going to spend money. John Sherman seems like he really is going to make it happen this season. And J.J. Piccolo has actually uh, conducted himself pretty well publicly um, recently where he was asked about it and he said, yeah, we, we really need some pitching in here. And he, and he's like something he said specifically, I don't have like the, the word for word quote from it. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but he basically said like, yeah, we have guys that we trust in that we want to believe in and we think can be good, but we can't like, we, we can't just assume that's going to happen. We can't just assume that everything's going to go, that everything's going to work out the way we want it to. In other words, like, yeah, I think in his heart of hearts, he wants Daniel Lynch to be good. He wants Alec, he, like, he probably wants to think of the rotation next year as Cole Reagans, Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch the fourth, Alec Marsh, and I don't know, on hell's there, Jordan Lyles, perhaps, I guess. And then that's a good rotation right there. Like maybe, like maybe in, in everyone's head that makes sense and that can happen, but they can't just assume that's going to happen because stuff happens. Things don't go the way you want all the time. And so this team really does need a true, legit veteran SP, a good veteran SP to anchor this rotation, to kind of have that guy who you know for sure is going to be good. You know what you're getting with this guy. 
And that's the kind of thing that I've been wanting to hear from this front office for years and years and we haven't gotten that ever we're finally getting it now every year it's always like yeah you know we like the guys that we have and we're just going to kind of keep going in this direction with them because we believe in them jj piccolo you know this again i cannot this has to be really emphasized jj piccolo is not dayton moore he talks in a totally different way from Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore would not admit to mistakes. He would continue to, you know, hold the line. He would continue to do whatever it is he thinks will work, whether or not it actually does work. And then if he doesn't, and if it doesn't work, then he's going to find some excuse or just say, oh, yeah, you know, we, we that's still within our expectations and stuff like that. J.J. Piccolo this season has been like, you know what? This is disappointing. This does kind of suck, and we do need to be better than this. And so we are going to do things differently from now on. We are going to go look for pitchers in free agency, or maybe they'll trade for some pitchers. Um, you know, they'll, they'll look at the trade market, market, things like that. That's what they need to do, and it's great that they're admitting to things. So this is making me want to believe in 2024 to be a much better season, not specifically because, hey, the Royals are playing well in September. Woo, that's going to carry into next season, right? Ha 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 ha, as we usually say. But just because the people behind the scenes, the man behind the curtain is pulling the strings a little differently this time. It's like, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to repeat what we have done in the past. Because obviously that's just going to lead to more failure. That's not getting us anywhere. What we're doing right now isn't working. We need to do something different. It's nice to finally hear someone from the Kansas City frickin' Royals say that. So that's about all I have to say about this episode. I'll do a commercial break and then when I come back I'll tell you why I was on hiatus for a bit why i had to disappear for a little bit I, I wasn't even active on like social media or anything like i legit stopped watching the royals for a while i'll tell you why but if you don't care about that at all then this is the end of the podcast you're free to go and no hard feelings if you don't stick around if you did enjoy this episode i would really appreciate it if you followed me on twitter at well actually that doesn't matter if you uh would subscribe to the podcast or follow it on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on give it a rating give it a starry review would really appreciate that and follow me on twixer at royal deluxe pod for podcast updates or other baseball commentary or just follow me at the mf and casey for a more personal experience i suppose that sounds a little bit weird i shouldn't i'm not going to say that ever again i'm sorry but if you don't do any of that you know what no hard feelings. I love you all the same. Thank you very much for making the Royal Deluxe Podcast a part of your day. Hope you're having a good one. Hope you have a good week. I'll see you on Friday. Until then, go Royals, and I'll be right back. Okay, so, story time. Here's what happened to me. Um, And this was unexpected. Got a little blindsided there. Did something, uh, well, not good. So, um, August was a really great month for me. Like, I don't know what exactly happened specifically, but just things got really great for me in August. Very big thing was happening in my life. I finally changed jobs. Like, I'm still technically doing the same job, but I'm working in a different place. And that is the first time I've ever done that in my entire life. I've been working at the same place since I graduated high school. That was nine freaking years ago. So think of everything that has happened in the last nine years. The Royals hadn't even made the playoffs yet when I started working. 
So that's what I'm moving away from. And just things were good in general all throughout August 2023. And the funniest part about me changing jobs is that I actually, my first week at the new job would actually be on vacation because I still had a, I had a scheduled week of vacation at my old job and I just got to carry it over to my new job. They were cool with it. I thought it was kind of funny, but not going to complain at all. So that final week of August and then the first three days of September, I was on vacation. And that was really nice, especially because it meant I got to do something that I really wanted to do. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do it at first because I, I, I totally forgot that I scheduled this vacation like months in advance, just kind of on a whim. But it was the Ned Yost game. Usually I work on Saturday night. This was this was Saturday, September 2nd. And I thought I wasn't I was really excited to see the Ned Yost game because I, I love Ned Yost. I wanted to be there for his pregame speech and all that. I wanted to see the Royals honor him. Was so so stoked for that to happen. And I thought I couldn't go because I thought I would just be working on that day. But then I had that vacation that I completely forgot about. And it's like suddenly, oh my God, I can actually go to this game. This is freaking awesome. This is amazing. I'm so stoked for this. And this would be like the 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 ending of my last vacation week from work and all that. The start of a new chapter in my life. Just it was just perfectly timed. Everything about it just felt completely perfect. So I was ready to get to this game. I even have um, a random thing that I have. Kind of long story, long unfortunate story about this. But I actually, it's, I have I have an All Star Royals jersey of Andrew Benintendi from last year. So I thought that would be the perfect thing to wear because the Royals were playing the Red Sox. So I had that. It's the first time I ever wore this jersey. I'm just feeling great, and I have the my favorite seat in the house, right above the home dugout. The front row above the Royals dugout. So everything is just lined up perfectly for me. I'm so excited about this. And I'm going out to the game. It's a nice, wonderful, sunny Saturday afternoon. I'm I'm getting out there early. I am making sure I get there in time for the the Ned Yost pregame stuff. Um, just hours before that, I watched all of Cyberpunk Edge Runners, super fun anime. I'm in a great mood. Everything's just so great on this day, on this week. Couldn't be better. So I'm getting to the game, and uh, I get to Stadium Drive. I pull up to to the gate. There were like these signs out in front of the gate. Um, rather, I passed one gate, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to the next gate because that's a little bit closer to the stadium. You know, figured I'm going to get myself a better spot. And then I realized that's the premium gate. Can't get in there. I have the regular general admission gate. Whoopsies. Okay. So I'm I'm kind of like pulled into that street to get into that gate. So now I got to, you know, get the hell out of there. I got to turn around. And I think, okay, I'm going to go back to that gate that I just passed like a freaking idiot. I'm going to do that. So I am like not really... I kind of make this weird, like, roundabout turn to get back onto the left side of the road. And what I don't realize is that there's an SUV coming right towards me. I somehow do not see the big white SUV 
coming right towards me. And by the time I do, obviously, it's too late. It hits me. Now, I'm being dramatic. It doesn't hit me hard or anything, but, you know, decently enough, I suppose. And I'm thinking, oh, my freaking God. That just happened. Like, I like I can't even look at it. I just, like, I see the SUV, and then I just, like, duck down in, like, like a fetal position because I'm just like, no. Oh, my God. Like, it, it feels like the, it's like the longest millisecond of my entire life where it feels like three years pass by, and then it just slams into me, and I'm just like, okay. Well, that happened. And I'm thinking, hope, I'm, like, hoping in my... In my head, in my in my heart, I'm th- I'm hoping. All right, maybe it's not that bad. I just start backing up, or rather, I attempt to start backing up. I cannot back up. I am stuck, and that's when the dread really settles in for just how bad it is. So I get out. I see. I see. The, for, first of all, I I check in on the people that ran rammed into me. They're fine. It's an SUV, and I have a and I have a Honda Accord. So they there was basically no damage to their car whatsoever. Meanwhile, my driver's side front tire is caved in. That's exactly where it was struck. So that's why I can't move. <laughs> I'm just like like I'm getting anxiety just like recalling this right now because like everything that I was feeling at that point is like it's coming back to me just the insane reversal of how great everything was leading up to that moment and just how terrible of an event this was because look I don't I'm I don't have like a a a great life or, or whatever a car accident is not something that me and my family can just like shrug off I don't drive a good car in general and an even even an even more tragic thing about this is that this technically isn't really my car. This is technically my brother-in-law's car that I'm just kind of like sharing with him. The long story about basically three people here live here and we share two cars. So we really need both of these cars to be working. If one goes down, well, that's a pretty big issue for at least one of us, usually me. Now, if you're wondering, nobody was hurt. I wasn't hurt. Physically, neither were the kids that rammed into me. Um, and, and and when I say kids, like I'm not trying to be condescending, but like I exchanged this, this this girl's ID, the one who was driving the SUV. She was born in 2005, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, that's how old 18 is right now. Like I have active memories from before that, and that's who uh, that's who hit me. Just insane, dude. Yeah, 18 years old. Um, and they're like, you know, cool, cool about it. As cool as anybody can be about a car accident. I think like their mom or something comes over at some time later, helps with a little bit of stuff. And arguably the worst thing about this is that there was literally no assistance from like anybody ever. Like we call the cops and then just stand there for like an hour. I mean, the kids go into their car. I'm standing out in the freaking heat it's 90 plus degrees outside i am just dying out there and it's like 4 p.m as well um there's like an off-duty cop who comes by 
for a little bit, but he was like on his way to independence, so he can't really do too much. He he like asked if I needed to help help get a tow truck, and I'm like I I'm taking care of it and all that. Like we call the cops, no one shows up. So you know that incredibly helpful and brave police force that you know people are really uh opinionated about. Yeah, they were super helpful in this in this moment where I crashed my car and literally could not move it away from where I crashed it, which was in front of the freaking stadium, in front of a stadium gate right there. Thank God it was, you know, one of the stadium drive gates. It wasn't on like Blue Ridge or anything. So it wasn't a a high traffic road uh, compared to some of the other gates, but still really inconvenient. And I don't know, I guess they had other things to do on a Saturday afternoon in September. <sighs> And then also I had to, you know, try getting a tow truck and, and had to deal with insurance and all that. And it took like, it, it took like hours. I was out there for, I was out there for so long. Like I got there and I was going to be like an hour early for the game, more than an hour early for the game. And I think I left by like the seventh inning of the, of the game itself or something. Like it, I was out there for so long because it, it took so long just to get a tow truck out there. Like, like a tow truck came out but then said that they couldn't get it onto the truck because they like rolling the car onto the truck would cause more damage to the wheel potentially and they didn't want that to happen so i had to get another tow truck and it oh my god dude it was a freaking nightmare that was like again arguably the worst ex- that was the worst part of the experience like like no matter what the accident it what it was what it was but at least, you know, maybe I could have felt a little bit better if I could just get home a little bit quickly. But I couldn't even have that. I'm just like, oh, what, just, what, a, what a total waste of a day. Uh, it was Just everything about it was absolutely terrible. So this just killed me mentally because, like I said, not, not a great thing that happened for me and my family. And I'm just someone who doesn't handle making mistakes all that well I don't want to inconvenience other people and I kind of feel like I don't provide a whole lot of good to the world and others around me so the fact that I would contribute something negatively like that just make a mistake like that and inconvenience others it's like it's a real problem for me I I don't handle it well and we were hoping that the car itself actually could be fixed somewhat easily, but actually, no, it was going to cost thousands of dollars because of specifically where the thing was. We were hoping that it would just be like like the the tie rod or something, um, like the the part that actually turns the car. Like that specifically seems to be it, what was broken, so it wasn't like a broken axle or anything like that. So we were hoping, okay, maybe it's not as severe as we once thought. Because uh, once my brother in law came over to pick me up, he actually. He actually figured out he could he actually could move the car and like doing so put the wheel back in place somehow. So it's like, oh, wait a minute, maybe this can work. But uh, no, that wasn't the case. Didn't work. I mean, I mean, it you know got the car off the road. Fortunately, which you know the, the Royals ushers were not. I mean, they were nice about it. They weren't rude or anything, but they were just like they kept coming out like, okay, um, uh, you got you got a tow truck coming out, right? Cause uh, <laughs> this is gonna be a bit of a problem in a bit. Um, and yeah, fortunately we got out of the way before the game ended, so didn't cause too much of an inconvenience for anybody leaving the game. But um, 
it was it was pretty bad. And then, yeah, eventually we figured out, oh, yeah, actually the car's unusable in this state and cannot be repaired very easily. <sighs> now, there is a bit of, maybe not like a happy ending, but like, it's not a complete nightmare. We've gotten a second car and it, it's got some issues, but we're working through it. Um, and the best part about this is that I have my new job because my new job is five miles away from my house. It's actually decently walkable for me. So that is a massive change and it puts much less um, importance on having multiple cars for me because my sister and my brother-in-law who I live with, they can kind of work things out amongst themselves. And some days I can just walk. Some days I Uber to work and that's kind of annoying because that costs money. But if I had my old job still, that would that's 10 miles away. It would have been double everything. It'd be like pr practically impossible to walk to. It would cost so much more to Uber to it. So the fact that this happened right when I changed jobs, it's like, like, like I would have had to get another job no matter what. But fortunately, the timing of this was just like miraculous. Although at the same time, me having my job, my new job and all that maybe caused me to get in this situation in the first place. Because maybe I wouldn't have taken that vacation if I was at my old job. But oh, well, whatever. It is what it is. Maybe everything happens for a reason. Um, although, again, it did a number on me because of how great everything was and how excited I was for this game. And then for that to happen, it's like. You know, it's hard for me to actually get excited for things in my life because this is usually what happens. I get excited for something and then something really, really terrible happens. It's like I take one step forward and then get blown back five steps. So, yeah, I just frankly wasn't in the mood to do this podcast for a bit. I wasn't even in the mood to watch the Royals. And it's not like it was the Royals' fault. It's not like I'm upset about the Royals. It's not, it's not their fault, but... You know, lots of people are going to remember this season for mostly negative things like the 2023 Royals. Man, bad stuff happened that year. You're going to remember Jordan Lyles. You're going to remember Fran Miel Reyes. You're going to remember Jackie Bradley Jr. You're going to remember Mike Myers. I'm going to remember the time I got into an accident in front of the stadium. That's my defining moment for the 2023 Kansas City Royals. And yet... It wasn't as much of a wreck as Alec Marsh that game! <laughs>